Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Mark. Mm -hmm. I've been saying for years that Ping help you play your best because that is exactly what they've done for me throughout my entire career. And now I've been having a look at the new Blueprint S and T irons, and boy... They are impressive. So much so that I've got the new Blueprint S irons in my bag at the moment. So what do you like about them so much? I mean, I've never seen you this excited about a golf club. Well, I could go through the specs, which are exceptional, but I won't. I will say, though, that if you're looking for more ball speed and if you want to lower your scores, if you want to mix and match and still look great, you should check them out because the new Blueprint S and T irons, they are definitely worth a look. Nice. Just book in with your local golf shop or professional to arrange a ping club fitting. It's Hang on a second. Stop it right now because we've got that much to talk about. Let's just get straight into it, Nick. We can't stuff around anymore. <laughs> a big thank you to Ping. I tell you, their ongoing support. Now I'm watching ping players everywhere on TV. They are, they are everywhere at the moment. And a big welcome to the Golf Clearance Outlet on to Talk Birdie to me. Uh, big thanks to Sam Colosimo, Golf's biggest brands for less. You can find them in Victoria, WA, Brisbane, Sydney, and they're coming to Adelaide in 2024. And, Nick, I know you like going shopping on the internet. Mm. If you can't get to one of their stores, just go to golfclearanceoutlet.com. Dot com dot au. And I heard yeah, that they're making golf great again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, anyway, fantastic. I've been to a few stores. Absolutely brilliant. You can do all kinds of stuff in there. Nick, the Ryder Cup was out of control. It was so good. Only this golf tournament. It just produces some of those moments <laughs> oh, that man. you just shake. You shake your head a little, but you also go, this is awesome. We need yeah. more of it. Yeah, yeah. None more so than... Joe LaCarver. Um, we'll get to Joe. Okay. Can we Can we get to Joe? How about just the first morning of play? Yeah. Europe, 4-0. Whoosh. It set the tone, didn't it? And, oh. and a genius move, by the way, Luke Donald, switching the formats. Because the four ball is the best ball where yeah. they all yeah. hit. Yeah. Foursomes is the alternate. Typically, in past years, it's always been four ball as the opening matches. Yeah. He switched it because foursomes is Europe's strength. Number one. No doubt. And they came out flying. And look, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but the preparation and the detail Europe went into their team and the way they put everything together, the statistician, they brought on Eduardo Molinari, Dodo as they call him, who works with a lot of players out on tour. All these small details just added up to that. Perfect start to day one, and they at the end of the day they had a five point lead, and guess how many they won by five, five points. points. Um, just on uh, Molinari, who is the, mm. the stats guru these days, and like he said, so many players are employing him to look at their stats. Francesco's brother. So I was reading that he actually had a look at both teams and saw where all their misses were, mm-hmm. and he mowed tightly the areas where he suspected the Americans would miss greens more. So, for instance, if he had a look at the entire American team and he saw that from 150 yards plus, you know, up to 250 yards, their miss was on the left, then they went to the detail of mowing really short grass on the left mm-hmm. and, oh. and alerting um, the European players to those misses. I, that is just extraordinary in you, my book. You've got to use whatever advantage yeah. you can get. They didn't actually you know, manufacture this yeah. golf course. They set it up how they normally would do it. A couple of things that, it, that they did, the European team, which was so smart, is yeah. they moved the rope lines back about five yards from where they normally are because you know how players, they hit it offline yeah. and it's in the trample down stuff? And it's, a, it's as good as a it's, good line. It's not too bad, yeah. yeah. So they understood that the Americans were a little longer and they'll have a fraction more wayward and they're going to be in trouble 10 yards off. But if they're fif- you know, <laughs> yeah. to 15 yards, which is where you know, the, the rough usually thins out, well, they moved the rope line back beyond that so that all of a sudden they got <gasps> some bad lies out there. And the other thing was they also found that 
the U.S. were very strong in that area of, of wedge, you know, yeah. 80 to 125, yeah. 150 yards. Yeah. So the short par 4s, which are typical two-iron wedge that they play in the Italian Open, yeah. they made them drivable yes. par 4s. So, so all, good. All of a sudden, the advantage is on the accurate driver that they could all reach. Yeah. And it just played beautifully into their hands. Yeah, well, now, my question to you, with the uh, foursomes going first, so the ultimate shot going first, why has it taken this long for a captain to look at this? I mean, it's very I, true. I wonder if it's Molinari who's gone, hey, listen, I've had a look at everything here. You're going to get off to a good start if you put the ultimate shot first. Maybe they didn't realise. And they've gone, hang on, we, we can actually... We can do whatever we like. Yeah, because last time in France, the Americans got off to a hot start. They, I yeah. think they were 3-1 in, or it wasn't 4-0, but it was, uh, it was very, yeah. uh, a very handy lead. The other thing that really revved uh, Europe up uh, was Victor Hovland went out with your buddy. Yeah. Uh, 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 say, say his name properly. Ludwig Orberg. Orberg, oh, well is that done. correct? Yeah, that's good enough for me. But okay. <laughs> we're going to play something a little bit later. In okay. fact, we might as well play it now. This, this okay. is this is we 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 put it out there. I actually had some homework last week, um, and my friend Steve Long, who used to be an Australian tour player, is the short game coach at Texas Tech, where Ludwig uh, plays. So I just sent him a text message. How do you pronounce Ludwig's last name? And I put the little dot on top of the Aberg. All right, just so we, we he had an idea that we were being serious. Yep. He just came back with, mate, it's Aberg. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And then, miraculously, uh, in the lead-up to the Ryder Cup, they're having some fun like they do on the European Tour yep. socials. They're very, very good on those socials. The content was incredible. Incredible. And they got Ludwig, basically. They got everyone to have a crack at it, mm. uh, and it was funny. Uh, and then at the very end, they said, hey, Ludy, uh, how do you actually say your name? And here it is. So this actually was also sent in by Dr. John Oliver Dunn, who is the guy who picked us up last week on the nice. pronunciation. Good on you, Doc. So here's the audio that uh, we've got of Ludwig saying how to pronounce his name. My last name is a little bit different too, because the letter is different. There's just a little, little circle above the A, which uh, pronounces a little bit different. So in Swedish, I would say Ludwig Elbeck, but here it goes uh, Ludwig Aberg. Yeah. So Ludwig okay. Aberg, he's happy with in America. Yep. But it's almost like an Uberk. Ludwig Oblak. <laughs> I don't know what was going on there, but nobody could say yeah. that. The other guy who I could never pronounce his name after he said it uh, during that European yeah. content piece was Nikolai Hoygaard. Yeah, he, he said something. I thought no. that doesn't even sound like his name. No, no, no. It sounded like he had a cold. That's what yeah. it sounded like to me. It but, was hopeless. But anyway, on that first green, Victor Hovland went out with Ludwig and Victor. By the way, hit the chip shot that we've been talking about yeah. the previous week about watching. his action. You were watching. He was on the fringe. He wasn't on the in the long grass. He was, yeah. It looked like you know it was almost like I'm being on the putting green. He yeah. takes the wedge and gets the little Gabriel Hirschstead yeah. forward lean. I was watching it, yeah. and he chips it in, and the whole place <laughs> went nuts. And that set the tone for the whole day. Tell me this, Nick. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, where they've made it really nice and short because the Americans are used to. You know, being able to slip the club underneath the ball when they chip, just on their rye grass. Mm. And the really tight stuff is, it's not everybody, it's, it's a very hard chip to make, for, even for the best players. And particularly when your hands are shaking and, you know, it's got to be such a perfect connection. But I did notice that when they put the pin close to the back of the green, it was really long grass over, over the back most of the time. Now, yep. you, I played a little bit in America. Uh, but I never really played a lot where the rough was long next to the green. Is it that the hardest shot out of the long grass um, when it's you got a small shot? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's about judging how the ball's going to come out. The thing you notice about that long grass over the back of every green, it was laying in all different directions. Yeah, A lot of the time it lays one way. So you kind of go, well, I'm into the grain, I'm down grain. But there I noticed it was what they call like a bird's nest. The ball was just yeah. sitting and the grass was going everywhere and it was very tough to judge uh, how it was going to come out in that regard. But that's what they do in the States. They grow the rough up right next to the greens and it's not much fun. You just grab the lob wedge yeah. and hope for the best. Well, I was going to say, early masterclass, if you ever find yourself in America and, and you're in one of these lies, I used to just try and play like a bunker shot with loose hands. That's how I was mm. told to play it. What what method did you use? So yeah, when I first went to the states, I kind of went with the lean into the into the uh, into the, into my front leg, my yeah. right leg, and hit down on it and things like that. And it was a bit of a guessing game. Yeah. And then 
I, I lived at Isleworth, and there was a guy there called Lee Jansen who happened to be oh. a two-time U.S. Open major champion, oh. and you need to hit these sorts of shots out of the rough. And I, pri- I picked his brain one day about because I was watching him practice out of this long Bermuda stuff next to the chipping green. Yeah. And he had this, like, open face, pretty wide stance, but he had, like, a hooking action, and he was coming into the ball really shallow, and that surprised me. He was trying to hook it, it out of the well, long grass. Well, it was a, it was a hooking action with yeah. an open face, and wow. I just watched him hit this, and it came out soft and high every time. And he said, yeah, that's just the way I do it, and it works really well for me. So I started experimenting it. And I implemented it in my game, and it was phenomenal. The other guy who was really good at it was Freddie Couples, and he had that long, languid – he'd almost take one hand off the club as it went through the ball. I wasn't a big fan of that because the the club face could get wrapped up by the grass and and shut and everything like that. But there are different ways to do it. you just got to figure out the one that works for you. When when you're cutting across the ball, I think you can have the open, loose hands a little bit more than if you're coming from the inside. Coming from the inside, it can really go across. But coming from the outside, you can have the loose hands like Freddie. Uh, exactly. You know, Freddie, Freddie was one of the best uh, in that regard. But I, I love the, you know what I loved also about that first tee? The practice swings. Oh, yeah. And the crowds go, way, way. <laughs> yeah, That was really good. And they were singing good. songs, you know, Hey Jude. And, and yeah. I mean, even on the last day, I think it was Rory McIlroy came out to play Sam, uh, Sam Burns. And they're all singing the zombie song. Uh, yeah. And the, instead of what's in your head, they're going, he's in your head. <laughs> it was just classic. They, they did such a good on job on that first team. Nicholas Colsart's one of the assistants captains for Europe. He was leading the charge the whole way. It was brilliant. Well, let's move on to Joe LeCar. Now, if you're not, if you're new to golf and you don't know who Joe LaCarver is, he used to caddy for Freddie Couples and he used to caddy for Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. These days, uh, he's a member at Los Angeles Country Club with Patrick Cantlay, and these days he is now caddying for Patrick. The 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 video I saw at the start, I was mm. like, oh, I don't know. The really good video that showed you everything, yep, was shameful. I thought what Joe LaCarver was doing out there on the last hole, trying to drum up support for uh, the crowd to try and, I don't know, try and start cheering to put somebody off. I understand you want the crowd to be on your side, but I don't think it's a player, uh, a caddy or a player to try and drum up that sort of stuff on the last hole. I I have a feeling, look, they were copying it all day long. There was obviously some comments that came out the previous day from a journalist over there in Europe, Jamie Weir, who is a well-known journalist, and he said... I have it from a reliable yeah, sources that, uh, you know, Cantlay is not wearing the hat because he wants to be paid for this event. And look, Team Golf, you know, there's always been this controversy around being paid and should you or shouldn't you. I've never wanted mm. to be paid to play President's Cup and the Ryder Cup players, the Europeans, they never talk about money. No. It only ever really comes from the American side. And there's there's a debate to be had all around that sort of thing. I mean, we were very fortunate in that they gave us uh, enough money to cover airfares so we wanted to fly family over like so, yep. so, so you get a stipend a nice stipend yeah. which covers all your expenses yeah and then you get a charitable contribution that which you was can, about fifty thousand. no it? i think it was oh, i'm thinking at least a hundred when i played wow it. Um, so and and the charities i used to spread it around a different one you're oh, on a mcdonald house that, and things you? like yeah absolutely you didn't have to, you didn't have to, didn't have to be f- one no it didn't have to Isn't be one that's sensational and it <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, 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 if you're about to tell the Carlos Franco story, <laughs> I knew it. I knew no, it. No, no, no. I'll tell it. Okay. I'm happy I, to I, tell I, it. I thought, should I tell this? Uh, yeah, I'll you tell can. it. You go. I'll tell it. So back then it was 50,000 US. It was yeah. 1998. <laughs> Everybody nominated their charity of choice, and there were some beauties. And Carlos Franco's was a charity that nobody had ever heard of before. Ever, ever before. I'll just leave it at that. I think right? I that's, that all I, that's, that's all I need to say. Uh, that's yeah. all I need to say. Yeah. But anyway. um, look, <laughs> now, hats... <laughs> I still can't get over that one. I, yeah. Going back to this Joe LaCarva thing, I mean, hats off to... Uh, yeah, and yeah, funnily off. enough, hats yeah. off to uh, Patrick Canley for how he played under all that scrutiny. They, look, they would have been copying some pretty good abuse all day. Yeah. Oh, I understand all that. It's part of the Ryder Cup, and it's all in good fun and good jest. I hate to think in a couple of years' time in New York what the European players are going to be up for because that's, that's a different kind of abuse. They will tell you to F off and do whatever, whereas yeah. Europe, it's more of a playful type thing, I find. And it can get over the line every now and then. But uh, I'm sure they copped a lot of abuse. And on the 18th green, LeCarve, I've just thought, no, nah, stuff this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my cap and I'm going to wave. And then he, I think he knew that Rory was, you know, that's where his marker was. Yeah. 
and he just took too long, and he and he just kept walking towards him, and then Rory said, "Hey, what, what are you doing? Back away!" And Get then away. and then Rory kind of forgot and started lying in his putt up, and then Joe went back in. He wanted to have a chat with yeah. him. I was like, no, 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 you don't do that. So, Get out. Yeah, and he knows better. Poor form in that regard. And, he knows and look, better. Joe, I, I know Joe, and he's a nice guy, but uh, that's just something that all caddies know you do not do. Yeah. Now, look, uh, apparently he's, you know, went face-to-face with Rory and, and some of the other team members and... You know, they've all shaken hands and agreed to move on. And, you know, mistakes get made in the heat of the moment. We get that. Mm. But that still was astonishing that somebody could walk onto uh, the middle of a green and start doing that. Yeah. When, when when a point, you know, or half a point at that stage was up for grabs. Rory wasn't happy about it. Well, let's talk about Rory. What, yeah. I don't reckon Rory carrying on like a grade three kid at lunchtime. I reckon he was looking around at one stage for, hoping that somebody hold him back. You know, <laughs> Larry was there, don't yeah, worry. Yeah, they'll hold him back. And who was Bones? Was it Bones in front of him? Bones, yeah. Uh, Phil Bones, Mickelson's famous caddy? I think basically Rory just wanted to let off steam and the first person, it just happens to be one of the yeah. nicest guys, Bones, that the first American that he saw in the car park, he just let him have it Launched. and said it was an effing disgrace and all this sort of thing. And I'm sure he regrets those words, but... Even in the press conference after when they won, you could still see he was thinking yeah, about it. Yeah. And it was quite bizarre in that regard. But, uh, you know, it's going to be, what was this, 30 years that the U.S. haven't won on European soil. Now yeah. it's going to be 34 when they get to Adair Manor in Ireland uh, in four years' time. But I, I think the difference and what summed it all up for me was I, I watched both, both press conferences. And Scotty Scheffler gave an answer of, this is one of my favourite tournaments of the year. Mm. Rory said... This is the best event you will ever play as a yeah. professional golfer, as a golfer. Sums up the That sums up teams, everything yeah. right there. They live and breathe and will die for this thing. Well, they won't die for yeah. it, but they will bleed for it. Yeah. Whereas the U.S., they see it as a great event and they're just not quite fully invested. The U.S. soil, look, they'd obviously do well because of yeah. the various factors that go there with the home team and everything. But the, the Europeans, it's so fun to watch. Does it surprise you, though? Because they've come up through high school golf which is team. They, they've come up through college, college. golf, mm. which is team. And a lot of the Europeans, unless, of course, they went to college, they would have only experienced team at a very basic level, which might have been playing for England or playing playing for their country, which happens, what, once or twice a year, if you're lucky, um, or maybe playing pen at your golf club, which, happened, you know, nothing on the scale um, uh, and the organisation of college golf. Nothing. Nothing where you've got a full-time coach, mm. you're playing tournaments all year round, nothing. So it really surprises me that the American team feel this way. I yeah. mean, no. I, I, they're only 90 percenters well, to me, where I feel like the European, they're, well, they're 100 percenters. We're in. They're, they're all in. And and they have the history. You know, the, the players can tell you, look, Seve and Faldo and Monty and, and the history there. The U.S. players, and yet they rarely talk about past players because I don't mm. think they really know who was one of their best, you know, Ryder Cup players and that sort of thing. And yeah. the preparation as well was was very off from the U.S. A lot of the players hadn't played in four weeks. Yeah. Whereas the entire you know European team had just played Wentworth and they'd all yeah. played really well. And they had this, look, the U.S. had this scouting trip and they said, oh, we all bonded and everything. It was yeah. fantastic. There was only nine out of the 12 that came along. That's so right. How does some that of them work? Missed, some of them missed the <laughs> practice days. Yeah. Just and, stunning. And, and, then, and then you had the difference between the captains. You had Luke Donald who at the opening ceremony who was talking in Italian. I mean, that yeah. was just so endearing and he spoke eloquently. And then Zach Johnson was kind of fumbling around in all his press conferences and it just did not. It wasn't the leadership they were looking for, unfortunately. Can we go and do a really quick early ping global results and just have a look at the players and what they actually did? Because I've got it it right here. Okay, I've I've got a few notes as well. Yeah. So Rory McIlroy, four wins, just the one loss. Yep. And leading the European team with all the controversy I thought was just outstanding. Yeah, most points out of everyone. It was four points. It was incredible. Okay. Tyrrell Hatton, the little bulldog. Ping player. Ping player. There you go. Ping player. Three wins, one half. Didn't have Mm -hmm. a loss. Yep. Victor Hovland. Ping player. Three wins, (laughs) no losses in a a, a half. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, three wins and and one loss. John Rahm uh, didn't have a loss. Two wins and two halves. He he was big in that opening session because he took Hoygaard under his wing as well and they got a half, I think, in the afternoon four balls on day one. And that was huge for Hoygaard just to settle him down. It was really good. And and the performance for the Americans too, this surprised me because I I just, you know, obviously 
it was a pretty big grand final weekend for mm. so many people, and and I, I was trying to keep an eye on on the mighty pies on on Saturday, so I missed a lot of it. But Max Homer, three wins, and a half, and a loss. So he got three and a half points for the Americans. He doesn't like he obviously a, we have, a competitive beast. Yeah, he is. No, for sure. He's uh, he played really well in the yep. Presidents Cup, and this is his first Ryder Cup. He was by far the best out of them. And, and then the next two on the list, they both had two wins and two losses, so you know, just two points. So, you know, the top three, the top three on the American team, hmm. only won seven points for America. And, and, th- and when I say the top three, not the top three best players, the actual top three performance. Yep. For the Americans, only won three points, and that's yeah. that's unusual. Well, I mean, uh, day one, six and a one, six and a half to one and a half was the lead, and U- U.S. had to make a statement on that Saturday morning in the opening uh, foursomes. Brooks Kepka and Scotty Scheffler lose nine and seven, the biggest oh. margin in the history of the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, that's just sending completely the wrong yeah. message, and we knew kind of then. Look, it's over. Yeah, yeah. Although. In the singles, it got to a stage there at one point. I thought, yeah. hang on, hang on. I was watching early days in the singles, and there was a lot of blue on a lot the of leaderboard. Blue. And yep. I thought, well, I'll go to sleep here, and, and I'm going to wake up, and it's going to be an mm. enormous victory. And when I woke up and had a look at the, the scores, it wasn't. It was six all in the singles. In the singles, yeah. yeah. But, but it, you know, the, the, the Europe were leading 14-7 to seven at one point, and then they got it back to 14-11-ish yeah. or something. And, but there was a lot of red down the bottom, and McIntyre had a part. I think the last two matches, they, if they could have turned those... The U.S. could yeah. have actually done it, but then obviously what happened uh, with Fleetwood defeating Fowler and it was all over and yeah. it was party time. We got a tweet uh, a couple of days ago yesterday from uh, Chris Payne who watched a bunch of the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Uh, talk birdie listener. And he said, Scheffler and Kepa getting absolutely flogged and shooting plus seven for 11 holes. I would never have picked that in a million years. And I reckon he might be spot on. I mean, plus seven. I didn't... I, I thought... I thought it was more the other way that the um, the two boys from uh, I thought it was eight over actually, but it could have been seven well, over. There you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> they, they played horrific. Oh wow! It was horrible goal. No wonder Sheffield was crying. Oh, I mean, well, he wasn't crying. He, no, he, he was he was tearing up. Yeah, there, he was. there were tears coming out of his face. I, I'm not going to say he was crying, mm. but he was certainly cut. Yeah, cut and, in half. And the crowd let him know it when he came onto the tee too. In the singles, they started singing. <laughs> um, oh god! Just on Aberg as well. I mean, he's Auberg. becoming. Thank you. He, he, <laughs> he's becoming a bit of a favourite uh, on this show, uh, and that's because of his Texas Tech background and yep. everything had, else. Two wins. Two two wins. Two, two, wins, losses. two losses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he got pretty much cleaned up by uh, Brooks Kepter in the singles, who just played really well. I was I was looking through some of the single scores, and there was a lot of guys shooting five, six under. It was impressive. But you know who was the best out of the lot? Rory McIlroy. And he was a bit of a worry after what happened in the car park, and he, he might have got a bit yeah. too emotional. He shot eight under through 17 or 16 mm. holes. I mean, that is some golf. Uh, what do you make of, and this, this is the last one, because I'm just looking at Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler uh, was the worst performed of, of all the players. But there was a sickness. There was a, a health issue going through the American team. Um, only played twice out of uh, five possibles. I guess I'm going to say he was sick. Well, in the press conference after day one, again, Zach Johnson says, you know, he was, yeah. he was basically... Su- trying to say this is not an excuse but it is an excuse yeah, it's a reason yeah yeah not an uh, excuse it's a reason we just we're very happy we've got a good team doctor is what he said yeah. so maybe they should have sent him out in his, as his replacement <laughs> <laughs> and i reckon um kepka kepka was a bit crook as well i think that's really okay. i think kepka's getty is where it all came from oh okay yeah if you read between Interesting. the lines of of uh, some of the uh, social media stuff that's out there from people who you trust mm. um i did see um What's his name? Uh, the the American broadcaster. He got a hold of Cantlay afterwards. Steve Sands. Steve Sands. Yeah. Steve Sands. Steve Sands got Cantlay um, behind the 18th green. Uh, the Ryder Cup had been won, and asked Cantlay a, a few questions about the week. He was brilliant. Cantlay was sensational. Yep, I'll really good. give him some credit here. He, he he was fantastic. He said, "What about all you know? All the people you know? The way they were giving it to you the whole way." He goes, "Look, I don't expect it to be any different. This is the way the Ryder Cup is." Um, and he's basically saying, "You know, when it goes back to America, it's the same thing that happens. But when I come here, I expect it." He asked Cantlay about the money. Mm-hmm. He asked him about it, and Cantlay denied it. The way he denied it, I believe Cantlay. Okay. Yep. I I, I didn't I, see that. Interview. I believed it. Yep. I believed it. The way he said it, the way the question was phrased, the way it was asked, um, 
I wasn't expecting it. I was I was waiting to you know I was looking for anything I could hang my hat on, saying <laughs> oh he wanted the cash. You were looking for the politician's answer. I was. Yeah. I was looking for anything, any hint that he was telling a porky pie. Okay. But I I couldn't get it. Okay. I couldn't get one bit. So well done to Patrick Cantlay mm. on the way he handled himself, um, and also the way he played because he played brilliant golf with all that going around him, and he did it without a hat. Did you see the picture that Brooks Kepka? Posted as well. Um, no. Uh, afterwards. No. So it's all oh, that, it's all over social I, media. Yes, I did the live. And what was it again? Um, the live shirts, and he had four of the te- boys. Team Smash, Smash, I believe. So he had Fowler, Xander, two others, Burns, maybe one other, all wearing the Smash yeah, shirt. There we from are. Liv. Yeah, I've got it. And Max Homer, which and is Maxie. a little surprising because yeah. oh, that's good. Mate. Well, I know I know Max was a, a very uh, staunch opposition yeah. in, to the live golf and things like that. That actually really surprised me. And his caption was, "I make money moves." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, look, very interesting. Yeah, I like. You know what? Um, uh, when when there was a fracture in the world of golf and live turned up, I was really worried for the game and and. Oh, there, there was concern, you know. I, did, yeah. I didn't like it. I wanted everyone playing together and playing against each other because good for golf. For sure. I also think that's good for golf with where we're all going. Yeah. I mean, the agreement to agree is still just hanging out there, and there hasn't been any news on the live schedule for next year. Um, I think the PGA Tour schedule's out, but oh, yeah. maybe not the ones after the season. I'll check that um, uh, at our uh, nine-hole break. Uh, yeah, look, it's interesting. It is. It's interesting where it's all poised, but I don't think that picture is a bad thing mm. for getting everybody back on, you know, track again. Yeah. And well, they've seen the best play the best. There will often. be a lot of commentary about, well, maybe they should have had Brooks, uh, not Brooks, uh, Bryson DeChambeau and Taylor Gooch and these guys playing as yeah. well. So, uh, you know, it's. It's neither here nor there. The captains get their picks. Unfortunately, they didn't uh, perform for Zach. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, the European picks, they performed quite nicely. They weren't outstanding, but they went solid. And just before you guys wrap up on the Ryder Cup and we go to the turn, uh, Tim Clark messaged in and said, Hey, Nick and Mark, are these the best greens we've ever seen, the condition of them, Augusta included? I haven't seen a putt wobble the whole two days. Yeah, it is, it is, now this is a great question because there's only, what, 12 players basically every day. So, you know... Maybe twenty players, caddies, each day. So the greens have a, a wonderful opportunity yep. to actually stay beautiful. It's in a full field of players where there are heel marks from not only the players but also caddies, uh, pitch marks from a lot of shots hitting the greens. Um, that's why Friday evening at a tournament when you're trying to make the cut on these rotten looking things. Yeah, Try and do it on Poanagrass oh, <laughs> late mate. in the day. It's shocking. Yeah. We, we, we saw the same thing last, uh, last week at the Solheim cup. The, the greens there were absolutely pure because you're right, Mark, you only get what eight players the first yeah. two days in the morning and in the afternoon yeah. and they change the pins. The greens yeah. are so big. So you're, you're seeing areas which are obviously very, yeah. very rarely stepped on. And, uh, they, the, yeah. I mean, I, I can't almost fault him on that regard. They were absolutely pure, yeah. whether they were the best around. I mean, that's up for debate. Uh, and just his question on Augusta, even better than Augusta. There are lots of tournaments I've been to <laughs> where the greens are better than Augusta. Well, yeah, Augustas are pretty impressive. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that. The, the thing about Augusta is the slopes. They're, there's yeah. so much more slope on them that you can't see. Hey, I do want to bring one thing up, Nick. And this is something that uh, hits home to me. Mm-hmm. I, um, I lived in Oakley for a long, long time. Uh, I went to Oakley Tech. Uh, and I, I know... The Oakley Public Golf Course, it's a short little nine-hole golf course. Uh, Sandy Jamison is the local pro there. And what Sandy Jamison does to grow the game of golf He's in that particular area, doesn't matter what background you're from, um, he does an amazing job. Yeah, he has the one club uh, scenario going on out one there for club everyone stuff. starting. Yeah, he's got, you know what, he's got to a point now where, where he teaches a lot of handicapped people uh, one way or the other. He's now got to the stage where handicapped golfers are teaching handicapped new players. Wow. He's done so much. He reliably tells me that this golf course has never been busier since he's been there. So a lot of people are playing this course. The city of Stonington has lined this joint up and they want to close it down. When you look at a map of Stonington and you can see how much green space is already available there, why they want to turn this into more green space, it's obviously dollars, 
has got me stuffed. I don't understand how a council can look at what they've got. And this, you know, this one, they've got green space and we've got golf courses. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to reduce your assets mm. for just a tiny little spend? You and I both know how important golf is for so many people because from these little golf courses, you graduate to other places and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you start at Oakley, you might go to Huntingdale, and then you know when you get old, you go back to Oakley. Go back to Oakley you yeah. go back to Oakley because <laughs> it's cheap and easy and it's short yeah. and all the rest of it. Golf for mental health, for physical fitness, for staying social is so bloody important yeah. and it is just, in my view, so I bloody, could, bloody ridiculous. I couldn't agree with you more. I grew up playing what was called the Embleton Golf Course, yep. a little nine-hole, par yep. threes, par fours in Perth. Yep. Uh, then I also played uh, Hawke Valley. I played a number of there different public courses around the traps, and without those courses, I would never have been able to go That's on right. to forge some sort of a career. And the other thing is it just it builds these friendships over yeah. time, and you meet all these different people, and you're, not, you're only paying 10 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever it. it is. Now, I'm not sure if this is a, is a, is it a COVID thing where, what, what was the other golf course where they were? They, Northcote. Northcote. They wanted Northcote, to turn they that tried into something. To. Yeah. They, yeah, they tried to. They ended up taking land from Northcote. Mm-hmm. And again, I know a bloke who runs it, um, the, the land they took is not being used. Really? So what happened in what happened in COVID is that they opened Northcote up. You couldn't play golf there, but you could walk yeah, you around could walk. there. Yeah. Morven was the same. Yeah. So you could go for a walk. Yep. And when all these people from Northcote have come in and gone, wow, have a look at this, <laughs> then the people on the council have gone, well, how come just golfers get to use this? Well, the answer is because they pay. Yeah, They pay money to, 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 to help it stay like this. Anyway, they've carved off a, a big piece of land at Northcote, got rid of one of the holes. Okay. Nobody uses that. Really? Not enough to justify oh, what they gosh. did. Okay. There, was a, there was an interesting response to that uh, comment you made on Twitter from a, a lady who was talking about her young fella yeah. who's playing there. And she was saying, yeah, look, he, he pays 400 bucks a year to play basketball. Yep. Or he, and he pays 14 bucks to play nine holes yep. at, at Oakley. Now, if he can't play for, uh, pay 14 bucks to play nine holes at Oakley, he, he may not be able to afford to pay 50 bucks to play somewhere else. That's right. He, he might be lost to the game. Of mm. course. Of course you are. I mean, just, I mean, what would you prefer? I mean, just to have a golf course in the area. I don't get it. I feel for Sandy Jamison. Let's hope it doesn't go through. Let's hope these people at the council have a second think about this because I, I think it's earmarked to go. Really? Yep. Mm. And, and let me tell you this. They were sending out a link to jump onto... Um, to talk about and, and give you a version of why they should keep it or why sh- they should, you know, get rid of it. Okay. The link didn't work. <laughs> so, you know, uh, what what do you do? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, 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 I'm, it wasn't by design. Let's hope not. Fingers crossed. But yeah. you can't have that stuff. You can't you can't do that sort of stuff and have that not working and not fix it straight away. Mm. Anyway, there's my rant. Okay. Well, if it's a nine-hole course, we're coming up to the turn. And, and, yeah. we'll, and we'll go back and play the next nine. But. Let me get a party pie and I'll calm down. I'll see you on the 10th take. You're like Rory at the car park. <laughs> Hold me back, Nick. Hold me back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Nick, I know you've heard of the Watch My Numbers app. It is brand new and it is going to dominate the golf app scene for a long, long time. If you want to improve your game, you need to know the areas you're doing well in and where you need to improve. And this app will tell you exactly that, Nick. Yeah, you're spot on, Mark. It's the most powerful database golf app in the world and it helps analyze and improve your game like never before because it uses real-time data from your rounds and highlights the areas of your game that you want to look at. You get actionable and usable info in minutes 
not ours. That's really important. It's easy to use. You can set up your profile very quickly. I've done mine. And start accessing data and subscriber-only content straight away. Hmm. Who's it aimed at? Well, it's aimed at people who want to improve their game. It's for all levels of every golfer out there, particularly powerful if you're a mid to low handicapper. But it's great for the elite level and pros as well. So elite and pros as well. I like that. Watch my numbers, download it from the App Store and turn your bogeys in the birdies. Now, if you haven't checked out the Golf Clearance Outlet, then you, I can guarantee you this, are missing out. And if you have, well, you know what we're talking about. Great time to drop in because with all the new equipment released in January, good old Sam at the Golf Clearance Outlet is licking his lips because the stores are chock full of 2023 branded clearance product. And you know, that was a hell of a year for golf equipment, Nick. You're spot on there, Mark. There's heaps of gear for righties, of course. But as you know, I am a lefty, so there's a heap of gear for lefties Mm. as well. And plenty for both men and women. And if you're after a great Prezi idea, you can get gift cards in store or online. So if you're looking for great golf gear and great prices, the Golf Clearance Outlet needs to be in your plans to go and check it out. See the team in store at Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth or online golfclearanceoutlet.com.au. It's that simple, Nick. Can't wait. Hang on, hang on, Nick. I thought you were righty putting now. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> like the podcast? Oh, maybe tell a friend. Drop them a text or share it on your socials. This is Talk Birdie to Me with Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen. Hold me back, Nick. Hold me back. <laughs> I will. I'm, Hold I'll, me back. I'll, I'll be. I'll be Larry trying to <laughs> trying to drag off bones. I've just had a look at the schedule, uh, the PGA Tour schedule for next year. Mm-hmm. It uh, finishes at the Tour Championship. Okay. So not only it, it, we don't know what's happening with Live in 2024, not yet, uh, but we don't know what happens post season, where we know that. There was talk about post-season tournaments Golf, internationally yeah. yep. um, with big purses and no cuts. Yep. So that's not out there yet. I imagine the agreement to agree is going to be nutted out pretty soon. So the, you know, they would have said, let's, let's get rid of this Ryder Cup. Let's all sit down, break bread, and make this thing work. Right. Yeah, they got to the end of the year. We'll see. We will, we will see. You sound sceptical. Are you sceptical? <laughs> I'm a little sceptical. I'm not. I so. think it's going to work. I think, okay. gonna get, I think they're going to get it done. All right. Now, uh, we, just, we just heard the voicemail thing go off. Uh, oh, okay. We might have a caller. Let's go. All right. Righto. You have one new voicemail. Mm. New message. Hey, guys. Great pod. I'm Neil Canton, a Canadian nine handicapper playing at Rose Bay Golf Club in Townsville, North Queensland. I learn a lot listening to the way you guys think about golf and from your uh, book, Nick, Play Your Best Golf, excellent read. My question's inspired by watching all the great match play golf that's going on with the Solheim and Ryder Cups right now. With our club pennant golf matches coming up and happening, keen to hear your coaching tips for match play strategy, (laughs) particularly how to handle swings and momentum, how to play and match great shots and sink the key putts when it matters most to close out the match for a win. Nice work, Neil. Mm. Right, I'm, I'm just handing <laughs> straight to you because if you can beat Tiger Woods twice in match play, yeah. I'm not qualified at this okay. table to talk about <laughs> match play. Well, Neil, nine handicapper. Congratulations, single figures. A Canadian, so he's probably left-handed. A lot of Canadians are left-handed. Why is that? I well, I think it's you. to do with ice hockey. I believe. Maybe. They play a lot of ice hockey over there. So yeah, right. I think, do they play? Oh, anyway, I'm anyway. not sure. But uh, I'm a big believer in uh, in body language and uh, and sort of asserting yourself on the match. That's a real key. Mm. Even when you're not playing well, act as though you are, you know, one of the best players in the world out there. I always oh, find that's a great thing to, to do. Whenever I look over at my opponent and they're dragging their feet going, why is the world against me? I'm thinking, I've just got them right where I want was them. Tiger dragging his feet? <laughs> no, he was, Tiger, <laughs> was Tiger kicking the Coke no, can around? <laughs> you got to a couple. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of little tricks I used to do as well. I mean, and, and the big thing really I find in match play is you want the tee. And what I mean by that is you want to hit off first if possible because you dictate terms. Yeah. You get to apply pressure to your opponent. Now, for me, being a shorter hitter, I found that as an advantage because I was always hitting my second shots into greens first. 
So then I could apply the pressure in that regard. So even if you're down in the match, just try and win one hole if you possibly can. That way you tee off on the next and hit it down the fairway. Keep the pressure on them. It's all about keeping and mm. applying that pressure. And there will be swings in momentum and things like that. So just be prepared for things to go pear-shaped. I, I, I was always a big believer. If I was on the green 20 feet away and they were in the bunker, I was thinking they're going to hold this. I'm going to need to really lock in mm. and, and make a good stroke on my putt here and things like that. So be prepared for the unexpected. And then at the end of the day, work on your short game. Because as we saw in the Ryder Cup, it's all about putting and the short game. Mate, how annoying is it when you're hitting it quite well <laughs> and you're playing against some bloke or some lady and they just keep on getting up yeah. and down. It does your head in. Mm. So it's a great it's a great weapon, a short game it in certainly match is. play. Yeah, all the best. But the best short game players in the world are all great putters. That's what I find. So Good on you, Neil. Work on the short game. And thanks, for the Neil, for the question. Brilliant. Now, if you want to leave a voicemail, easy to do. Go to talkbirdie.com.au. And there's a little button there that says start recording. Send the message through and uh, we'll get you on the phone. It's our favourite, actually. Yeah, I, really, I really mm. like it. Yep. Now, I really like it. speaking of the callers, we have, a, uh, we have another caller here, uh, Steve, uh, who has a story about Ian Baker Finch. He wants to tell you. Oh, yeah. Let's so should go. we give him a call? Yeah, let's go. Steve speaking. Hey, Steve, it's Mark Allen and Nick O'Hearn. You're on uh, Talk Birdie to Me podcast. Oh, how are we going, fellas? Hey, All right? Yeah, we're really Very well, well, Steve. You got a question for us? I certainly do, actually. I was um, having a reflection time after the podcast a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Lexi Thompson's chipping action, and it, it took me back to when I was a junior in, in um, Gippsland region at your lawn golf club, actually. Um, Popped in on a Sunday morning and actually saw an article on uh, in, in the men's locker room um, from Ian Baker Finch and was talking just about how to chip and actually using that word um, in your action and setup, meaning H for uh, hands forward, O for the open stance, and then W for weight forward. And that moment, I actually went out and started to try chipping that way. And 35 years later, I'm actually still using that to this day and, and have just recently passed it on to my 16-year-old son who's just taken up the game. I love that, Steve. That, that's really Well, that's basically old school, really, isn't it? I mean, hands forward, weight on the left side. Mm. Uh, open the yep. open the club face. Yep. Is that what it was? That's yeah. how I did it. Yeah, that's yep. that's how we all did it, basically, back in the day. Now, there are varying things that come along, which, uh, you know, people will uh, trend towards, I guess you could say, with, uh, I mean, Victor Hovland at the moment. But, hey, if it works for you, just continue to do that because that's really the key in this game. It doesn't matter how you get in the ball in the hole as long as you do it. So uh, that's beautiful. Absolutely. And, and, and Finchie was one of the best, by oh, the way, right. around and on the greens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you a story about yeah. Finchie and his short game, uh, Stevie. There was the New South Wales Open, and I reckon it was 1985 is when I first started watching Golf on TV. It was played at the Lakes, uh, and the greens were rock hard. I'm talking Royal Melbourne rock hard. Finchie was the only bloke who could stop the ball on the greens. Now, really? Yeah, they probably would have checked his grooves these days. <laughs> but he had the he had the best chipping and wedge action you've ever mm. seen, and he just mm. dominated this field, won by a long, long way. Um, and, yep. and it was all because of the way he chipped. Mm. Absolutely, and it's just something that stuck with me for such a long time playing the game for for over 35 years, and I just thought, well, after Lexi's um, you know, demons that she's got, I thought, well, you know what? It's uh, keep it simple, as I say, and it uh, works to this day. Well, may you never get the Lexis. Hey, Stevie, where do you play? I actually live on the Gold Coast and playing at Coolangatta Tweed at the moment. Oh, wow. um, nice. Been a member there for about seven years, yeah, and uh, originally started the game in, in country Victoria. I went to qualifying school there back in the day on Did the you? Australasian Tour yeah, in the mid-90s. Is uh, the golf ball still up on the roof? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's had a clean and a new paint job, so it's looking quite slick. <laughs> oh, it's a great track. I loved it up there. So. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, Thanks really, for listening absolutely. to the podcast. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, He's Steve. a good man, Steve, hey? Very, very good. Uh, and, and teaching old school chipping it still works mm. uh, you don't have to use the bounce folks if you feel like you've got hands of gold hey. you do not have to use the bounce you, you can, can do it old school edge. yeah absolutely you can do whatever you want All right. This is from H.G. Roberts. Uh, now, H.G. Roberts has written in about your Ryder Cup team that you guys named, your Aussie Ryder Cup team, oh, that you named last week. Oh, I thought we'd, historic. I, I, yeah. I actually thought we'd cop some abuse for this one. No, no, it's not abuse. <laughs> no, at all. okay. No, that's no, good. H.G. Uh, said, awesome episode. Love listening over here in Wales. A oh. couple of missed possibles in the all-time Aussie yeah, Ryder all Cup right. team. Yeah. What about Kel Nagel yes. and Jason Day? 
Yeah. Oh. I was thinking about Kel after we did it, actually. I thought, oh, how did I miss yeah. Kel? Well, and, and Jason, obviously. We could, have had, we could have had Kel in there as vice-captain <laughs> Norman von no. Niner, couldn't we? No, he's got to be playing. Yeah, I but guess. No. The hard you, thing is who you, you win the out. Open. He, he won the 100th You, you pull open. me out is what you do. Oh, no, <laughs> oh that's that. right. Well, maybe you could be vice-captain. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and Jason Day, oh, how did, oh, surely we put Jason Day in mm. there. Surely we can did. We have, can we have 14-man teams? I reckon we could. <laughs> we'll have a few, yeah, oh. we'll have a playoff. I think we can. can get in. We posted a video this week on Facebook. It was about 30 seconds long, and this is how it sounded. Bill Hearn set to join a very small list of the players who have beaten Tiger. It's a lovely speed, and thank you, and good night, Tiger. Bill Hearn knocked Tiger from the match play two years ago. Can he do it again? So we had a bit of feedback on that. Matt Breen said, I could watch that all day. And somebody else said, brilliant memories. That's from someone called Joe O'Hearn. That <laughs> uh, would be my mother sending that in. Beautiful. Thanks, Good on Mum. You, Joe, Mrs. Yeah. O'Hearn. I can uh, actually watch that all day, too. <laughs> well, you're still fist pumping with the. <laughs> oh, yeah. It brought back some memories. So. Oh, I love it. Good on you. Uh, Franco Caruso has written in, Hey, gents, love the podcast. What about a top five of golfers who don't wear hats? Oh, that's a good yes. idea. It's it's my turn this week, right? Yeah, it yes, is. It okay, is. Oh, let me it start uh, start writing a few out. Right mm. All right. Okay, get okay. to that. Uh, some more feedback here. This is from Patrick Walker. Patrick has said, G'day, Mark and Nick. I trust that all is good at Talk Birdie to me. I think it is, is it? Yep, yep. I think we're all friends. Okay, all good. Yep, of course. Last week's top five on poor form nominated the Keegan McGuell rule stoush at the match play at Harding Park a few years ago. I reckon the rules official was our very own Steve Rintoul, but happy to be corrected. No, it was. Yeah, it was Stevie. Yep. yep. The ref should have pushed Keegan and his gobby caddy <laughs> into a nearby lake and penalised them four shots, two for the player and two for the caddy for being total dickheads. Also, <laughs> can you please tell Nick that he was missed last week at the Royal Sydney Cup? Oh, yes. Uh, yes, yeah, it was yeah. on last week. I, I unfortunately couldn't make it. Uh, it's a it's a great event. Yeah. It's a two-day event. I think a Lincoln tie one from Jordan Zunick, I believe. Yeah, so, that's right. Uh, that's right. Sydney. Uh, Steve Rintoul, just on him, he, he was playing the Nike Tour back in 1994 when I was playing the Nike Tour back in 1994. Mm. And he was very welcoming to me. We, we were the only two Australians playing. He was, he was a lovely fella. And it has been interesting to watch him because he got on the tour. He didn't play his best golf when he got there, but he, he was on there for a little bit. But he's worked his way to the top of uh, Rulesdom, yep. which, is, which is quite a hard thing to do. It is. He was the rules official on tour when I was over there. And whenever he came along, I thought, oh, this this yeah. is probably going to go in my favour here. This is yeah. good. No, yeah. no. <laughs> the rules don't work that way. But uh, it was always nice to see Steve out in the golf yeah. course. But I'd back Steve in. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's one of the best. So, look, he, he probably doesn't have the uh, authority to give somebody two shots for being a dopey sort of character. Yeah, or four. <laughs> <laughs> but the ruling probably would have been spot on. This yep. week we asked Talk Birdies and listeners to pump up their local course and tell us what they loved about it. Oh, nice. Yeah. And we had uh, we had a whole bunch. I'll just read it out, maybe four yeah, or five. Yeah, yeah. Adam Jackson has said, Kahuna Golf Club, it's a magic course with great people. Yeah. The best kept secret in Victoria. Yeah, and I love the driveway into the clubhouse that goes across one of the holes. Fantastic. Okay. And of course, home of Stuart Appleby as well. Daz yes. Blink has said, Keysborough Golf Club, perfect conditions all year round. Very good. Yes. yes. It's home to one of my second place finishes. Uh, <laughs> five shots up going into the last round and oh, Mike Howard came no. screaming home and beat me by three. What was that in the Vic PGA or something? something? Yeah. No, I, don't know. I played I the Pro-Am to... there a few years ago. And I loved it. It was a great little it's course. It's a great little mm, golf course. Really yeah. good. You don't look remotely bitter about that though, Mark. It still hurts me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stephen Chalmers has said, the Mornington Golf Club, what a ripping place, million-dollar views. Haven't I, played it. Haven't you? No, need to. He's not kidding about the million-dollar views. Really? Yep. And I know there's this a beautiful little part three they've just uh, inserted, and you're looking straight at Melbourne. So you look, you, oh, yeah. you go down, you look across the bay, or you look down, you look to the green, and then over the greens, across the bay. Could and be tens of millions of Melbourne dollars of views. Melbourne skyline in the background. It is absolutely a great hole. We had a whole bunch of these, and we'd love you to share more too. If you've got a, a local course that you think is just fantastic and, and, and why, tell us about it on the socials. Mm. Last one we read here is from Dave McIntosh. Metropolitan Golf Club ticks every box. Facilities, course, 
staff, members, all fantastic. It's a very special place to play. Yes, and, yeah. and thankfully they're fixing up a few holes that uh, got torched by somebody yes. else. So, so well done. Love Metro. I mean, yeah, a lot of you. great memories there. Uh, I used to, again, I was at Huntingdale, so we used to always, uh, we, we actually had a hole cut in the fence. And uh, once daylight savings come, oh, we, yeah. could, we could sneak through. Across. And uh, one of my great memories, I reckon I was about 14 or 15 years old, uh, and it was a real joy to play the front nine at Metro. And I can remember uh, making the turn because we, we got through the hole on the fifth green. So uh, you'd play the ninth and then you'd have to quickly go across to the first so none of the members would see you. Ah, okay. Of course, the pro saw me, Brian Twite. <laughs> who, and Brian Twite, he saw me. I saw him in the pro shop and I hit my shot and I was halfway down the first fairway and I heard this... And he came flying down the first on a little mini bike. Did a, really? a, a tiny little mini bike. It's like a clown, you know, the circus clowns who go on the tiny little bikes. <laughs> he's coming, he's going over these humps, he's coming as fast as he could around to the fence, throwing the clubs over, and ran for my life. Wow. Have, have they ever thought about um, uh, Huntingdale and Metropolitan many, am amalgamating? Many, many times. Making a 36 hole facility. And I am hearing there is um, some seriousness after what OCM have put on the table. So really? if you don't okay. know, Huntingdale is going to be redeveloped. Yep. We should get uh, Mike Cocking on to talk about it at some stage because it's such should. an iconic golf course in this country with hosting the Masters Plus they're doing so, so many. many times. Um, but yes, I think I think they're, they're able to stand in a room together, Huntingdale Metro, and, okay. and have a... Uh, adults chat about things. Yeah, it'd be interesting. The other thing we get a lot of feedback on from time to time is how much people love the Ping Global Results. Yeah. Oh, I know you did an early one a little while ago, maybe near 20 yeah, minutes ago. Yeah. Have you got any more results for us? I, I do have a few others. Some, A couple of little sneaky ones as well, which is good. Uh, on the LPGA Tour, they were playing in Arkansas. Our own Hannah Green had a good chance to win there, but unfortunately couldn't quite close it out. She finished in seventh position. Uh, South Korea rookie Hei Ran Ryu. That's right. Had a three-shot win uh, over Swede Linear Storm, so that was a good win for, God, for her. There's been a lot of rookies win first uh, year. It's been an first incredible first up this year on the LPGA year. tour. Yeah. yeah, the other Aussies that did well were Grace Kim tied for 18th, and Ping's nice. Karis Davidson, who finished tied for 34th. She's sort of battling for her card. That top hundred gets you your card for next year. There's still several events left, so still battling. You notice how he talks more about the ping players than the <laughs> others? Oh, have you noticed that? Kara's got a lot more than Grace then. Yeah, she's good. Interesting. It's, it's well, very I, interesting. I, uh, who, who's uh, one, of your, uh, one of your partners, uh, Nick? Yeah, what's that shirt say, <laughs> Nick? <laughs> it might have ping on it. I'm not sure. There are, <laughs> hey, you know I've been with it my whole oh, career. Right. A great company. Also, uh, on the Asian tour, Taiwan Masters, Yako Alas, I'm, I don't know how, if that's how you sell, right. say Yako, but I'm guessing. Tough course, four under one. Just four under? Just four under. Very rare that happens. He won by two, but Travis Smythe finished tied for third. Yeah. Good result for Travis again. Have you played in Taiwan before? Um, I never have. have. I no. have. The grainiest greens Ooh. I've ever seen in my life. I bet. Um, you had to be just a genius of trust on those greens because... A putt that would you would you would assume uh, you know six footer you would assume would be right edge mm -hmm. could well and truly be a ball outside left. Wow. That's that's how that's grainy how much, that is yeah, strong craziness. Right. One last little result which has huge significance for two players. They were playing the Asian Games and the what the Asian Games. Okay, what it's a team that on? team format. All yeah. the Asian countries. Yeah. So the Rep the Republic of Korea won gold, and the reason I'm saying this is huge because two players out of the four do not have to do military service now because they won the gold oh. medal. Oh, yes. Sung Jae Im and Siwoo Kim. Oh, two of the biggest names on the PGA two Tour. Two of the biggest names. Now that uh, that uh, avoids them from going to mil two year military service, so they don't use that in as part of their career. So imagine isn't that, that huge news? Imagine for them? that, Nick. Can now that's what I call pressure, by the way. <laughs> can Can you imagine? You work your whole life. You find your way onto the U.S. tour, like where you want to be. You win. And and you win well, and then all of a sudden, you've got to stop playing to for stop two playing. years and go learn how to shoot yeah. a rifle, do other kinds of. I mean, 
Oh, just, I know. Just unbelievable. Yeah, so it, well done to it, those two. It, it stops you in your tracks. It's like having a massive injury and you're out for a couple of years in that regard, as far as golf-wise. Yeah. What would the but, PGA Tour do for them? Would they say, listen, you've got to come back and qualify again? Or no. would they actually say, listen, we understand your situation here. I, we'll I'm, see you in a couple of I'm sure they have a special category, much like a, a medical exemption, yeah, something I like so. that in that regard. But uh, that's kind of the end of the uh, Ping Global results. But this week is one of my favourite events coming up, the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship. Oh, it's a good event course one. Which it's one is it? St. Andrews, yeah. Carnoustie and Kings Barnes. Kings Barnes it's always a looks beauty great. and it's a pro-am format. So much fun to Have watch. Have you played Kings Barnes? Yeah, man. I've played this tournament many times. Which yeah. one's the best course? Oh, St. Andrews. Of course. I mean, is that's it? That's hands yeah, okay, down. Okay. Kings Barnes is nice. Um, Not but as good as Carnoustie? No. I mean, uh, Kings Barnes is a modern links. Carnoustie, if you can shoot par or bet around there, you go, I'm, I'm happy. Kings Barnes, you can tear up a bit. And then St. Andrews a lot. It just depends yeah. on the weather. But yeah. it's where all the celebrities come and all that sort of thing. I actually one year played with uh, the boss from Elaine, Elaine's boss, boss from Seinfeld. Oh, you're kidding me. Mr. Peterman. Mr. Peterman, you're kidding me. The guy, he always used to say, Elaine? Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, and I'm going to do a top five later about, you know, the guys without wearing hats, you know, because of all that. This guy's hair never moved for three days. And it was blowing about 50 kilometers an hour every day. He was a great character. He was good. Yeah. He was hilarious. John O'Hurley was his name. Lovely guy. He was hilarious. Hey, you got to keep talking here, mate, because it is your turn. Oh, yes. For the top five. Okay, in honour of, well, Joe LaCarva, Patrick Cantley, and and all that went on at the Ryder Cup, the top five hatless golfers. Now, this is good. My number five. Yeah. Played your first few years out on tour, the man with some amazing locks sitting next to me. Mark Allen, you are number five. I'm I'm going to throw you in there. I'm glad you found room. Because your hair, it's pretty impressive. Number four. The day I had to wear that Schweppes visor was a sad day. (laughs) A sad, sad day. Number four, uh, I, I sort of re- refer to these in tournaments from players mm. that I just remember. The 1984 US Open where Greg Norman lost to Fuzzy Zeller in the Hatless. playoff. That The blonde locks going. He was running across the yeah. 18th green on the final day when he held that massive yeah. putt. Fuzzy back in the fairway, waving the waving, waving the towel. towel. It was always, and that was just, uh, it was a great, uh, great thing to remember. And it was always fun watching the shark before he went for the uh, Akubra. Right? Yeah, that's right. Went for the Akubra. And, and Fuzzy thought that putt was a birdie. A birdie, And Correct. that's why he was waving the white towel. Yeah. But Greg actually got up and down. And yeah. he, he, he was in the long rough and that held a 30-footer yeah. for the par. You talk about three of the greatest up and downs in yeah. history, 16, 17, and 18 at winged foot, Greg Norman. Go back on YouTube and watch those three. I didn't know he got up and down at 16 three, and 17. It was some of the three greatest right. up and downs you'll ever see. Yeah, anyway, have a look, have at, a look it. at it. Uh, number three, 86 Masters, Jack Nicholas. You know, the golden yeah. locks Hatless. flowing as well. It's Hatless. hard to hard to pass that one. Number two, 1984. I'll always remember, uh, again, another 84, Seve Bostiris on the 18th yes. green at St. Andrews, given it the uh, the big punching the fist. Hatless. Seve looked awesome without the hat. Yeah. But good, number good one, hair. number one, Pretty obvious choice. And number one, uh, sorry, European tour player for many years. There one can in, only be one. I'll one be in Abu Dhabi in like 2012-ish where he beat Rory by a shot. One of the best swings you'll ever see. Yes, Robert Rock. <laughs> what a great name. Now, if you don't know who <laughs> Robert made Rock our, is. He should have named our, our names list. Where was oh, that's that? right. <laughs> I know. If, you don't, if you've never seen Robert Rock, just picture a little Lego man haircut. <laughs> and that's exactly what it was like. It was the most perfect little Lego man look you've ever seen in your life yeah and an absolute flusher sorry sorry you couldn't make number one mark but you made the no, five anyway I'm, I'm happy you found room for okay. me and by the way thank you to franco caruso who suggested a top five gobbles who don't wear hats nice work yeah nice great. work all right it's time for the master class So, Nick, I, I kept a, a really close eye on all the players uh, at the Ryder Cup this mm-hmm. week. And one of the things that I noticed is that none of them, not one of them, under pressure, stopped at impact. But when I play with amateurs, I get the sense that a lot of them feel like their swing stops at <laughs> impact once they've made connection. Now, um, if, you're, uh, if you hit a left shot every once in a while, you don't know why it goes left, or a big pull. Uh, so if you're a, a left-handed, obviously a big pull, and you don't know why, a lot of the time it's because you stop. It's because you stop moving at impact or not long after, and the club just goes slinging past. Yeah. Now, uh, I can remember for the first time, I reckon, when I started playing a few little European events here and there, 
I would listen to the European coaches talking about their first move with the left shoulder. And the left shoulder would once it's once it goes down in the in the in the backswing, their first move that a lot of players focused on was the left shoulder would go up and to the left. And if you do this, it takes your whole body with you. It takes it with you. And it makes your left leg straighten or your lead leg straighten. It does all these things. So if you are somebody who feels like, have a think about it, that there's not that much effort after impact and your shots are a big pulse, then this one could really help you. The left shoulder or the lead shoulder, once it goes down in the backswing, the first move is it goes back up and to the left. Just like it would if you, you know, the old drill when you put a shaft on your shoulders and you just go backwards and through. Just feel what that left shoulder does and see if you can make the same move when you're actually hitting the golf ball. That'll definitely keep you moving. That'll keep you moving. No doubt about that. So if you are moving, don't bother. It's not the tip for you. <laughs> but if you're stuck down at the bottom or if you feel like you get stuck every once in a while, have a crack, see what happens. Yeah. Great fun, guys. That was a big show, Dan. It was a long one. Mm. Have, can we go? How long do we go for? Do we get to an hour? Do we crack a, 60 minutes uh, for the first ever time? Not quite an not hour, quite. But, uh, but not far off. Right. On. Okay. A big thank you to Sam Colosimo and the Golf Clearance Outlet. Like I said, they're in Perth. They are in Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne. And you can catch them online as well, golfclearanceoutlet.com.au. And, of course, Nick. A big thanks to Ping Golf, of course. And I'm going to try and stop you from having a fight in the car park later on. You, so you, uh, you thanks for a good back. show. To hold me back. <laughs> well, that's Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen's podcast, Talk Birdie to Me. And if you're looking for some new clubs, whether you're a male or a female, Ping are the best in the business and they'll help you play your best. Contact your local golf shop or professional and they'll sort you out with a fitting. If you can, we'd love it if you could rate and review the podcast wherever you listen and tell a friend about it. Word of mouth is the best recommendation. Talk Birdies to Me's executive producer is Dan Bradley at Kaizen Media and sound design, Daryl Misson at loudzebra.com. Guys, just thinking... Talking earlier on about Ludwig Orberg, uh, yeah. the pronunciation, and Orberg, obviously, yeah. obviously, the pronunciations of the European guys are a little hard. Do you, do you think the European guys doing podcasts in, you know, Belgium or somewhere sit around saying, "How do you pronounce Adam Scott?" <laughs> Nico, <laughs> Mark, <laughs> no, no, I, don't I, I, I saw a bit on uh, <laughs> social media. I think it might have been um, Norwegian yeah, uh, yeah. commentary of Victor Hovland uh, teeing off. Yeah. And how excited they were, and yeah. all that. I mean, I'd love to get a, a get some audio of that that we could listen to at some point because uh, they were going nuts. Remember when um, Victor won the FedEx Cup? Yeah, and the screams from these guys. One of them I used to play with on the European tour, but uh, they went nuts. Yeah, nuts. No, exactly. No, you're probably right. Adam Scott is a tough one. That's very hard. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.